believe it or not, we're in the last sermon in the chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews. And we have taken a lot of time to go through the book of Hebrews, and I'm glad that we did. It's known as Faith's Hall of Famer, God's Hall of Faith. And uh, um, it's just been a joy to, to be in Hebrews chapter 11. But we come to the end of chapter 11, and next week we'll start with 12 and 13, some of the practical at working out uh, of the, uh, the book of Hebrews. Um, I'm going to read the text here this morning, and then, uh, and then we'll pray. Uh, Hebrews 11:32 through the end of the chapter. Hebrews 11:32 through the end of the chapter. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. Uh, they were stoned and they were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, uh, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves, in, in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you for uh, this great chapter that we've been in for a number of months now. And um, just uh, seeing who you inducted into the Faith's Hall of Fame, um, who's in God's Hall of Faith. And we've been inspired by these examples, Lord. And today we come to a close and here many named but also unnamed saints who are inducted in the, your hall of faith. And Lord, there's, there's so much to draw from for our lives today and, and in our circumstances, both personally and in, uh, in what's happening in the world. Help us to draw from this passage and, and file it permanently in our hearts and minds so that we can take it out when we need it, use it, and bring glory to you and blessing to ourselves. Father, we just pray for uh, a continued uh, uh, blessing for Cedar Home. Help us to uh, uh, walk in the light of your word and love one another, draw close together, guide our future, big decisions that we're making. Lord, um, guide our search committee as they continue to seek to find your chosen man for this pulpit and uh, guide our, our leaders as to give them wisdom. Uh, guide all of us, Lord, to uh, magnify Christ to those around us. We love you, Father. Thank you for all the words that we sang about the sacrifice of Jesus and him uh, putting an end to our sin in your eyes and giving us a hope beyond this life. We really appreciate that, Lord. These great songs and the great worship and now your great word. Just bless us with it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, about 10 years ago, Deb and I took a trip to the East Coast uh, 
and uh, wanted to see as much as we could from the other side of the country. Um, I learned a lot of great things. I learned that, uh, that we have a grand history, and uh, I learned that there are many, many beautiful things on the other side of the country, architecturally, historically, and, uh, and, and all culturally. And I also learned that I'd rather live on this side of the country than the other side of the country. Um, but I, we did pay a visit to Washington, D.C., and saw a lot of the um, sites. And one of the places that we went was uh, Arlington Cemetery. Has anybody ever been to Arlington Cemetery? It's pretty profound. It really is. Because as you enter that cemetery and walk around, there's, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of profound things, historical things and, and, and that. And uh, what I noticed was just, just row after row after row after row of headstones. In perfect, in perfect alignment with names of those who have died serving their country. Uh, and so you could walk up to any, any headstone and read the name of the person that had served our country, people we, we would never know, uh, but people that, that gave their life to keep us free. But then there is a tomb there that, that is for people that are unnamed. Anybody know the name of that tomb? Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And that is a gathering of, of, of soldiers that um, were killed in battle, various uh, wars uh, throughout the history of our country, but no one knows who's interred there. And it's meant as a, a representation of all of those uh, wounded in, our, in battles to keep our country free. I'm going to read from the website of, uh, of um, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. The Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is in Arlington National Cemetery and it's its most iconic memorial. The neoclassical white marble tomb stands atop a hill overlooking Washington, D.C. Since 1921, it's provided a final resting place for one of America's unidentified World War I service members and unknowns from later wars added in 1958 and 1984. The tomb has also served as a place of mourning and a site for reflection on military service. Throughout the ages, one of the consequences of warfare has been the large numbers of unidentified dead. Sometimes unidentified remains resulted from poor record keeping, the damage that weapons of war inflicted on bodies, or the haste required to bury the dead and mark grave sites. And so, to represent them in regard to soldiers of the United States came the tomb of the unknown soldier. Well, that's the way Hebrews is when we, in chapter 11. There, are many, there have been many named servants of God. There have been many named uh, uh, people who have served the Lord and died for the Lord. But there are many unnamed. It's just really unusual as we go through the second part of this passage. There are this and there are that, and they suffered this and they suffered that, but there's no name. It's like the tomb of the unknown soldier. So there's named and there's unnamed. And we're going to look at both today because as we come to this final list of Faith's Hall of Famers, we find the named and the unnamed saints of God. And so the title of the message is The Final List of Faith's Hall of Famers. The Final List of Faith Hall of Famers. And so when I was reading this and studying it, I thought, this, stuff like this always pulls up a question in my mind. And the question in my mind that pulls up is, why does the writer of Hebrews finish this great chapter the way he does? Why does he do that? Well, the answer is this. This is the, in a nutshell, this is the whole sermon that you're going to get today. Um, 
the writer to the Hebrews wants to challenge you and inspire you and me to continue to live by faith. He wants us to live by faith, okay? He wants us to live by faith in three ways. Number one, he wants us to live by faith and experience wonderful victories in our spiritual journey while we're on this earth. Now, you've heard me say this ad nauseum. I've said it over and over again. I'm beating a dead horse on purpose, and that is this. There are issues that you're facing and that I'm facing on a daily basis, and they loom over us, and I've used the metaphor of Goliath. They loom over us like Goliath. And God has told us that if we exercise faith in him to resolve it, to deal with it, to conquer it, to uh, deliver us from it, whatever it is, he'll do it if we trust him in faith. If, he, he, if the promise is in the word and through the Holy Spirit, our job is to trust him and he will slay that Goliath in your life and in mine. He'll do it. And he'll, he'll deliver us with power. And I say that, I hope, with some measure of authority because I've seen it in my own life and it's one of the most exciting things that I experience as a Christian. Now, there's another thing that he wants to say to us this morning, and that is this. Through faith, he also takes us through, not out, but through pain and persecution. Now, sometimes he'll deliver us out of it, but there are thousands and millions and millions upon millions of believers that have not been delivered out of pain and persecution, but God, through faith, through their faith in God, delivered them through in the most difficult circumstances. You may be in pain today, emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, whatever it is, financial pain. God will take you through that not always out, but he'll take you through that, sometimes out, if you express faith in him, okay? And so then, the third list is when Old Testament believers and New Testament believers come together in Christ, when they express faith in Christ and go to heaven together to be with the Lord forever. And so that's what we're going to look at this, at this final list. Three uh, entities, three lists of people in this final uh, passage of Hebrews 11. First, we come to those who experience the power of God by faith. Those who experience the power of God by faith, often against great odds. I, don't, I can't read your mind today, but if your mind is like my mind, on a continual basis, I face things where I feel like the odds are stacked against me. Okay? I feel like the odds are stacked against me. And I've been seeing that God loves to deliver us from situations where the odds are stacked against me. And I, I think I'm a pretty good student of human nature. I think I am. Um, I can be naive about it sometimes, but I think I'm a pretty good uh, student of human nature. And I know that people walk into church. Sometimes their halo is bent a little bit when they walk in because they're hurting. And they're wondering, am I going to be able to get over this hump or through the situation in one piece? Will this brick wall be re resolved and dissolved in my very sight, uh, or am I going to go down for the count? And I want to tell you that God has a list of people here in this, these last eight or nine verses, whatever it is, who, through the power of God, 
um, experience victory. And I, you know, I don't throw that word around a lot. Victory. I always hear the people on TV, victory, you know. They'll tell you you can have victory over anything. Grout. You got grout in your house? Victory, you know. It's like, you know, just get off it, will ya? I mean, sometimes life is hard. But, but I want to use the word victory today because I've experienced victory. Not, I mean, not without my, a price, but I've experienced victory because I've had faith. And God's teaching me that if I have faith, and it's according to his word and his promise, I'll have the victory. And they're wonderful. And I'm not trying to paint myself as some super spiritual guy, but I'm loving it. And um, um, they're my Goliaths that loom over me. And I got, a, I got a good number of them. And in fact, at our home group, one of the guys came to the home group and says, where's that list of your Goliaths? I want to see that list. And I said... I, I took it out from underneath the coffee table. I said, here it is. We put it back in there. I don't want anybody to see my Goliaths. I can only testify to them when God gives me permission. But we all have those Goliaths. And we start with a list, okay? You're saying, can you start with a list already? Okay. First we have Gideon in verse 32. And I did each one, a sermon on each one of these. Say you're glad I did. Ooh, not much. Okay, well, anyway. I did do, I didn't want to just skip right through them, right? Because there's some good stuff here. Gideon started out as a coward and had to be coaxed to do what God called him to do, but he became a great military leader and, and, and a judge, and he had 32,000 fighting men and says, I, I think, oh, you know what, maybe we can beat those Midianites. They have 135,000, but with 32,000 men, I think we could win. God said, break them down to 300. And he said, amen. What? But he did. By faith, he took those 300 men with pots and and, 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 and torches and trumpets and a great victory over uh, the Midianites. Then we come to Barak, verse 32. With only a small group of fighting men, Barak, after an, an initial lapse in faith, because he was a scaredy cat, decided he was going to believe in faith that God had spoken through the prophetess Deborah and with God's supernatural help, defeated a much larger army consisting of 900 chariots, Iron chariots, excuse me, that's a big deal. Iron chariots and a huge number of troops. And God did it both with Gideon and Barak in out-of-the-box ways. With Gideon, with the pots and the torches and the, um, what's my last thing? Pots, torches, and trumpets. trumpets thank you. And then with Barak, uh, with a, a, a big rainstorm that took the, 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 the dry riverbed, turned it into mud, and all the iron chariots bogged down in the mud. And then Barak's army came down the mountain and slayed them all. God, listen, when you, ha listen to me, this is important. Please, when you have big challenges, right, and you wonder how is this going to get resolved, just remember that God works out of the box. He works out of the box, but he works. Your job, faith. His job, works. Do it. It's so stimulating. And wonderful. I don't know what you came in with, but it's, it's, it's a piece of cake to God. But he's requiring you to have a mustard seed of faith so you can do it, we can do it together and grow through it. Amen? Amen. Be with me now. Yeah. This is, you need to be here on this sermon today. All right, you do. For your own health. Then we come to Samson. Strong guy, right? Mighty, probably the strongest guy that ever lived, you know? Besides Russell Wilson, he's the strongest guy that... Oh, I didn't mean to bring you down. I'm sorry. <laughs> strongest guy that ever lived, and 
He was, you know, he took a jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand people. He ripped a lion to shreds like a, like a little rag doll. He picked up the city gates with pillars and carried them up a hill. This is not a door like these. This is the city gates and the pillars. And he ripped them up and he took them to the top of a hill. He, he pushed those pillars apart in the, in the uh, Philistine temple, these big marble honking pillars, and he did all of that. He, he was emotionally immature, right? Self-centered, morally weak, but after he got a haircut and got uh, captured by the Philistines and blinded, he returned to God in faith, and he took down 3,000 Philistines at once. Okay. And you know, it's, you know, another thing, too, just before we, we kind of get through the rest of this list, isn't it great to know, you guys, that God will work in faith in your life even when you screw up? I mean, didn't, didn't all these guys mess up? Gideon? Oh, Lord, 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 Lord are you going to use me? And why, why don't you use somebody else down the road? Uh, Barak? We could get into his life and his failures. Uh, uh, Samson? Ooh. I mean, they all failed. But God doesn't, re listen, God doesn't require us to be perfect for him to work in our lives. Thank goodness. Because I would be the only one he could work through, you know? <laughs> Isn't it great to know that you can kind of not have a perfect life, but God says, I'll still work through you in faith if you trust me. And then we come to, and we're, these are all in verse 32, most of them. We come to Jephthah, okay? Jephthah started as a son of a harlot, a prostitute. His family hated him, so he, was, he had rejection in his life, really me mentally and emotionally just crushed. But he became a great military leader, and in spite of making a very foolish vow, if you recall, I'm not going to get into all that stuff, but he trusted the Lord for victory in battle and was given the victory by God, and Israel was saved. Uh, then we come to David. We all know what David did. He committed adultery. He committed murder, basically, on um, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. Uh, and, um, but yet, uh, he was a man of faith and was delivered. I mean, think about him. David... Uh, was, when he was young, he was killing lions with his bare hands. You know, you think about the bear that he took on, okay? And then Goliath, of course. Then after escaping Saul and moving into a, an older age, he led the nation of Israel. All those were done by faith. All those were done by faith. I've got something to say here in a moment when we finish this list, but I, I don't want to ruin the, the moment right now. But we go to Samuel and the prophets, verse 32. Um, as Israel's last judge, he spoke fearlessly in faith to Saul when he could have gotten, but he was fearless. And he spoke to the Israelites and the and pagans about their idolatry and immorality. And he faith, in faith, he continued on through his life to rule and to prophesy. Now, we, those are the named ones. Now we come to nine unnamed ones. First list. They experienced the power of God. And I've got something to say to you this morning in about five minutes. So hang tight. Because it's really important to me to say it, and it's important for you to hear it. Because I don't want you to come into this church and go out of the church going, <sighs> or, gee, I wonder what's, 
I wonder where we're going to go eat today. Or I wonder, you know, and I'll, I'll, just all that, f- that fluff. No, I want you to get something at the end of this first list. But then you got the unlisted, uh, the unnamed uh, men, uh, men and women who uh, trusted God's power, experienced God's power by faith for their situations. You got those who through faith conquered kingdoms, verse 33. That could have been Gideon or Barak, but we don't know. Those whose faith ministered justice, that could have been Samuel or somebody. Those whose faith was gained what was promised, could be David. Uh, or others, those who shut the mouths of lions. This could refer, of course, to David. Samson killed a lion. Benaiah, one of David's mighty men, went down into a snowy pit and killed a lion, First Chronicles eleven twenty-two. But it could have referred to who, who, who else dealt with lions in the... Um, Daniel? Daniel, down in the lion's den? Okay. But through prayer, through faith, these guys all conquered their situations by being a conduit for God. And then we go to those who quench the fury of the flames. That could have been Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those who faith escaped the edge of the sword. If you go back into the Old Testament, Jezebel and Ahab ruled Israel. Jezebel more than Ahab, probably. She was a, she was a, a piece of work, Jezebel was. And her preferred method was to kill the prophets with a sword. She wanted to, you know. And who escaped that? Elijah could be referring to Elijah, okay? And uh, then you got those who had their faith, who through faith had their weakness turned into strength, probably Samson and others. Those whose faith became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies, Gideon, Barak, could be Hezekiah, lots of Old Testament leaders. Women who through faith received back their dead, raised to life again. We have two instances of that in the Old Testament. Elijah brought back to life the child of the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings 17. And his successor, Elisha, did the same for a Shunammite woman in 2 Kings 4, 18 through 37. And these mothers, along with the rest of these prophets, listen closely now. This is for you and me. They believed God in faith for his promises, and God performed it. Please, apply this to your life right now. Please. Jesus said very clearly that we could do great things through faith too. Faith in what? God's word and his promises in his word and his promises by the Holy Spirit. For our every circumstance and situations, please listen to that, okay? Faith in God's word and promises for our lives and situations and watching God right before our eyes resolve our situation. It's awesome. It's powerful, okay? He takes our Goliaths and he slays them with his stone and they fall flat on the ground in front of us and it really truly works when we drive the stake of faith. Lord, I trust you apart from myself, to work on my behalf. And he does, okay? The common thing in this, in this list here is that everything was accomplished through faith. Faith has power. Why does faith have power for us? Because it's nothing more than a conduit for the power of God. Faith has power because it's a conduit for the power of God in our lives, a power that so often we don't uh, harness and use for our own lives, but it's there. It's right there in front of us if we take advantage of it. And I'm just saying this because so many of us, and I include myself in this, we live without faith. 
and we try to muscle our way through life and maybe send up an SOS to God and hope and, and wonder if it's going to get answered. No, if we say, God, in faith, I trust you to meet my needs according to your holy word in the direction of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to do it in your time and way and for your glory and my blessing, and we, we steadfastly believe that he will work. He will We'll experience his power, and it's so exciting because he wants to do that for us. I don't care. Listen, you guys. I don't care who let you down earlier in your life, whether it was your parents or some relative or someone in in a teacher or a coach or a neighbor. I don't care. Your siblings. I don't care who let you down. God will not let you down. Maybe a a fellow church member let you down. God will not let you down. Maybe a pastor let you down. Other than myself, he will not let you down. Okay? So faith, faith, trust, believing, relying. Faith requires recognizing our weakness, but at the same time laying hold of God's strength. Okay, I've done enough on that. Let's go to the second list. Please take advantage of what I said this morning. Please take advantage. My goodness, take advantage, take advantage. Today, go home and say, I'm going to take advantage of God's promise that he will come through for me and take my Goliath down. He'll teach me things along the way as as I wait on him. But take advantage of it because it'll work. Now we come to an interesting word in verse 35. If you would look at verse 35. In the middle of verse 35, there's the word others. Others? You see, does everybody see that? The, say the word others with me. Others. That's just to get you focused. Okay. Now we come to the word others. And this is a completely different and unique second group of people who are on the final list of God, of faith's hall of fame, of, of God's hall of faith. First, we have those who have experienced the power of God. We saw that in these verses I've just uh, spoken to you on. Now, the second group are the people who have experienced the pain of severe persecution. The pain of of severe persecution. And without wavering or throwing in the towel, they got through the pain of severe persecution. Uh, um, um, uh, They got through that through faith, through faith. Faith just doesn't enable us to experience the power of God for our our needs. It enables us, faith enables us, and has enabled millions of Christians to get through pain and persecution um, uh, uh, with God's power and help, to get through the pain of severe persecution without, without, without turning away from God. Okay, so we enter into a very different, it's just, it's just like you go from those first few verses and boom, you just take this, this other turn, okay, and, uh, and he's talking to us, and he's talking to all the martyrs of, of all the, the centuries that Christianity, and even back through the Old Testament, where, where men and women gave their lives uh, for their faith in God, and later on for their faith in Jesus Christ, okay. And these are people who are also inducted in God's uh, hall of faith, okay? And I, I just, I, as Dylan prayed, this, we, we, this, not, this, is tough, this is tough stuff that I'm going into right now, so just, just hang in there. But um, I think that it needs to be said, because there's like this, 
this sickness in the body of Christ in our Western world, especially in America. And I think it's called um, God's always going to deliver you all of the time from everything. You know what I'm talking about? If you just have faith, okay? It's that sick health and wealth prosperity gospel. It is a heresy. It is non-biblical. It is very attractive. But it's unrealistic given the, the, the canvas of history, right? And what's going on in our world today, right now? Okay, so let me talk about that because uh, the regular Christian person of faith doesn't always mean wholesale deliverance from pain and persecution. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Okay, you got to be. We got to tell the truth here. I cannot imagine sitting in this seat where I'm at. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of my dead heroes, said, it's, he calls it the sacred desk. I can't imagine sitting at the sacred desk, right? And, and saying, all you do is have to have faith and all your problems will disappear. And if, you're, if you have problems, then you're not spiritual. You're not one of the first-class Christians. You're one of the second-class Christians. Baloney, okay? And this, this second list is those who have experienced the pain of severe persecution and, not, and have not gotten out of the situation, but they got what? Through the situation, Okay, and it's happening today as we sit here in this wonderful building that we have with you wonderful people whom I love so much. Okay, it's happening all over the world. I mean, just look, if you look just what's happening to Christians all over the world, you know there's more Christians persecuted for, for their faith in Christ and martyred today than in all of history? I don't know if you knew that or not, okay, but it's true. But clearly, all throughout history, we see horrible, awful, disturbing things that I won't go into detail today because I don't think it's necessary. I'm not one of those, I don't want to, I'm not one of those guys. But, they, but, but, but it's, there is fierce, violent, evil, satanic opposition toward faithful people in Christ happening all over the world right now, and it's happened all through history. Okay? And I could, I could give you proof. If you want proof from a, like a, I would say 50, 60 years ago past, I invite you to look at a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. That'll, that'll give you all you need to, to know. But, but it, it's even up to today. Um, and, it, and, 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 and I'll put it this way. I'm reading someone else's words here, but it's he said or she said, martyrdom of God's people throughout the Old Testament era and the intertestamental period between Old and New Testament and the church age and today reveals the incredible, irrational, sick evil that consumes wicked people to inflict atrocities on Christians and should encourage us to prepare and endure the same in faith if need be for the sake of the gospel of Christ. Now, I don't know what's going to happen to you and I in this country. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not uh, praying for martyrdom. You know, I know people that do that. Lord, I just want to die for you. You know, I don't like the sight of blood. I don't, especially my own, you know. But I, I want to be willing to be martyred or persecuted for Christ. But it's not like something I would just run toward. But I want to honor God in that. But maybe we will need to honor God in that. Are you with me today? 
Now, you know, it, it can turn on a dime. And I'm not trying to panic anybody, but um, it's happening all over the world, and we don't know if... I'm not a prophet. I can't tell the future. But we are seeing signs that Christians, even in the Western world, are starting to be called the intolerant, hateful ones and not godly people. Where are we going to go with this? I don't know. But this I do know. We need to be prepared. Okay? We need to be prepared. Are you all with me this morning? Okay. I just got to know that. This is an important sermon for me as well as you. Um, we need to be prepared. And it re reminds me of a... Of a of an illustration that I've used. Uh, you know what? I don't even know if I've ever used it, but I lost it. It was in a book of sermon illustrations that people like me used to use, and I don't know if I sold it or gave it away or lost it or whatever, but it had a story in there that I love, and I, I, I wanted to use it at just the right time, and I think I'm going to use it now, but it's the story. It's the true story of a, a man who worked for an art dealership in the East Coast, you know, it's, it's, it's between World War I and World War II. I, I couldn't remember that. And his boss asked him to take a boat from uh, America to uh, uh, um, Europe and do some work on uh, approve, um, what do they call it, when they estimate the price of something? Appraise, thank you, artwork in, um, um, in Europe. And it was during either World War I or World War II. Did they have U-boats in World War I? They did not? Okay, so it must have been World War II. Anyway, so World War II, and the guy didn't want to go because ships you know, were getting blown out of the water. But his boss said, no, for, for the sake of the company and, and, and such not, you need to go. And so he did. But he, this is what he did. He started to take ice baths. And so he'd fill his tub with ice, and then he'd put water in the tub, and he'd soak in it. And he'd, he'd take ice baths. And then he took, every day he took an ice bath for months before he had to go, to acclimate himself to the Atlantic Ocean's temperature of the water so that if the ship did go down on the way, he might survive. And guess what happened? Okay, you're not going to guess. The ship, the ship went down. And he and everybody else, as far as I remember, had hypothermia and died, and he didn't because he was acclimated to what he was going to face. And he survived got picked up, but he was in the water a long time. He should have died. And that's what we're going to do right now, is talk about being prepared for um, what might come at whatever level. Maybe not at all, but maybe at a level that will make us uncomfortable, or maybe even at a, 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 a severe level. Okay? And so um, we need to take ice baths. Every day, ice baths in the Word of God, ice baths in prayer, ice baths in being here together, drawing strength from each other, and home groups if you can, and whatnot, just being together. And so let's look at those who have experienced the pain of persecution um, and made it through until the end, but not getting out of it, but made it through. Okay, made it through pain and persecution. Sometimes that is God's will. Church history will testify to that. Something we want to avoid. That's not the sermon we want to hear on Sunday morning, but it's the sermon we need to hear, okay? And uh, let's look at these. Others, it says, were tortured, verse 35. 
Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a, a better resurrection. They're willing to accept the worst the world has to offer in order to accept by faith the best that God has to offer. Okay? And the best that God has to offer is resurrection and eternity in heaven. Okay? The word torture here is from the Greek language, meaning, oh, well, in the Greek it's tympanizo, where we get the English word timpani. Did I say that right? Timpani, which is a kettle drum, right? Okay. And uh, this particular torture referred to involves stretching the victim over a large drum-like instrument and beating him with clubs until they were dead, often until they were dead. But they per persevered in Old and New Testament times with this torture. Um, they preferred death for Christ, for ultimate resurrection in heaven, rather than compromise their faith and experience eternal hell without him. And that's, that's the word that the writer uses here, tim, for timpani. Then others faced jeers, verse 36. They were made fun of and mocked and ridiculed for their faith. They experienced severe mental and emotional abuse, which often can be as hard as Physical abuse, right, you guys? As a Christian. I've, have you ever taken a hit for being a Christian? It hurts. And I have. I could take you back. And, um, and it says they persevered. They persevered through that. By faith. By faith. Then we have flogging. And I don't want to get into the flogging, but if you've ever heard some of my messages on in, in Good Friday or even Easter and the, what the flogging represented, you know it's not just these little soft leather things that they foop, foop. No, it was, it was an incredibly uh, painful experience, sometimes uh, um, resulting in death. Our Lord took those, that flogging for us. And so many were flogged. And what did they do? They exercised faith and made it through the pain and persecution. Others were chained and put in prison. I think of the Apostle Paul. Okay. Uh, others were stoned to death. Um, so, you know, if I was stoned to death, I want the biggest, heaviest rock hitting my head the first time. I want to just go out like a light, right? But in Second Chronicles 24, a prophet was stoned to death in the temple courtyard by order of King Joash. Tr tradition says that Jeremiah was stoned to death, too. Stephen, in the book of Acts, was stoned to death. Did they relinquish their faith in Christ, in God? They didn't. They persevered. How did they do that? By faith. Their faith was strengthened. And listen to this, you guys. The strength that we need, if, if and Lord willing not, but if we get persecuted, is drawn, first of all, from the strength that we build when we trust him for power to get through our difficulties. You with me? See, we, we build up our reserve tank of faith to help us with persecution and pain by, by trusting him for power to get us through our Goliaths. They're connected. The more we trust him daily, the more we're going to have when we take hits for being Christians. Uh, others are stoned to death. I mentioned that. Others were sawn in two. That would not be my preferred way to go. You say, what would be your preferred way to go if you had your choice? The guillotine. Done. Right? Doesn't have to have the guillotine in here, though, so anyway. 
Others were sawed in two. Tradition has it that the prophet Isaiah was sawn in two by the wicked king Manasseh. And if you read about Manasseh, you would say, yeah, he would do that. He was a bad dude until he got saved. They hated him for his preaching. They hated uh, Isaiah. He took an uncompromising stand for God so much that they hated him and cut him in half. A Jewish work called The Martyrdom of Isaiah recounts the terrible ordeal of being sawn in half by saying, Isaiah neither cried aloud nor wept, but his lips spoke with the Holy Spirit until he was sawn in two. That's the way I want to go. Honoring God, persevering in faith. And when we do, he'll give us the strength to do it. Others were put to death by the sword. That was Queen Jezebel's preferred method of killing the prophets. Others went about in sheep, goat, sheep skins and goat skins. These are all unnamed now. Others were destitute, starving, subject to disease. Others were persecuted. In the intertestamental period, there was a really bad guy called Antiochus Epiphanes. Anybody here ever heard of Antiochus Epiphanes? He was a, um, kind of a type of Antichrist, really. And he viciously, violently, horribly persecuted the Jews and, um, for their faith. Others were mistreated, and the world was not worthy of them. As much as these believers didn't deserve this kind of treatment, the world around them didn't deserve to have such people in their midst. Now, they knew that they would be resurrected. We have that in Romans 8, for we consider that the, verse 18, for we consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be real, revealed in us. That's how they survived in faith. They knew where they were going, and they knew what was going to happen, okay? 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13, dear friends, talking to you and I, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though, this is persecution by the non-believing world, as though something were strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Faith. Faith, what he has in store for us, okay? And then if, if people are the punishers, just for, because I felt like doing this, um, if the people are the f punishers, guess what happens to them, okay? All this is evidence, 2 Thessalonians 1, 5. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. I love that verse. And give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels, and he will punish those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, and they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at all, at, among all, Marvel at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believe our testimony to you. Amen. So we got something good coming, and that gives us faith to persevere in times of persecution and pain. And it goes on to say, others wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. Now, I prefer list number one, but I want to be prepared for list number two, Okay. Now, as I end this list and go into our last point here, I just want to make three quick statements, and I, just because I feel we have to be in tune with what God is saying here. 
Number one, Christians were told by Jesus himself to expect persecution. In John 15, 20, I don't have that, guys, but from memory, Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will what? Persecute you. If then, if they persecute me. Somehow, someway, sometime in our life, whether it's verbal or just a sh- someone shrugging at you, cackling laughter at you, or turning their back on you, and it could go from just minimal to death, we're going to be persecuted for Christ if we know him. Number two, so don't think it cre- weird. Number two, God never promises Christian ho- wholesale deliverance from all suffering, but he does promise us strength to go through suffering victoriously if we trust him in faith. And then third, this is where I'm at on um, March. What's the day today, March? 13th, 2022 at 11.00-something a.m. This is where I'm at. This is what God is teaching me here, and that's this. As Christians, please, please listen to me on this. As Christians, our priority should not be for self-preservation. We're addicted to that, by the way, when we think about persecution. It's easy to get addicted to self-preservation. We are, as Christians, listen, our priority should not be for, the, for, for, for self-preservation or security or safety of our lives. That should not be our priority, self-preservation, but for our lives. But we, our priority should be for the safety of our faith in Christ. Do you see the difference? No? Okay. Our, self, our priority should not be for self-preservation, but for uh, of, our, of our lives, but for the s- safety of our faith in Christ and the mission he has given us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourselves, and to go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples. We're not here just to survive. We have an eternal home in heaven. We're here to fulfill God's mission for us and uh, his great commission and commandment at any cost. And that puts the church on a whole nother level, doesn't it? It really does. But once we get that into our, 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 our inner, you know, self, it gets exciting. And I'm, I'm no longer looking over my shoulder wondering when the shoe, other shoe's going to drop and we're going to have to give our life for, for Christ. We're moving forward instead of backwards. And we're saying, how can I fulfill God's mission, his, his, and, or his uh, mandate and his mission for my life and for our church? And I pray that as we get our new pastor and as we move forward, that's going to be our mission. And not just being comfortable and surviving. All right, it's getting real quiet here. I better finish. All right. But you guys with me? Okay. Hebrews. So those who are on the final list of God's hall of faith are those who by faith experience the power of God, those who by faith experience the pain of persecution, 
And the last group is the melding of those two together. The last list, part of the list. Let's look at 39 and 40. These were all commended for their faith. And you notice the word all there. Yet none of them received what had been promised. God planned something better for us, all in us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Now, this is the shortest point, and then I'll, I'll wrap it up with three questions. Now, what it's saying here is that all of these people that we've talked about were commended for their faith. And guys, don't, isn't that what you want to hear? When you stand before God, when you draw your last breath, huh? I commend you for your faith. Not only in living by faith and showing people around you that God works actively on our behalf, praise his name, but also when it, the, when it, you, it, got, it got tough, you persevered through pain and persecution. You made it through. And, and amen to that and enter into the joy of the Lord. That's what we want to hear. All of them were commended for their faith, and yet none of them got what they were promised. They were promised. What were they promised? They were promised Messiah. Messiah. From Adam and Eve all the way up until he came and, and, and grew and suffered and bled and died and was buried and rose again. They were waiting for that. I believe, you know, a further study, which we don't have time for, that, that Jesus appeared to some of these Old Testament saints in his pre-incarnate form. A Christophany. But they believed in hope of Messiah and his redemption, but they didn't get it yet. God had something better for us, Christians. He said, uh, and that was the new covenant in Christ's work and blood. Verse 40. He had planned something better for us, that together with us, they would be made perfect. So what does this mean? I'll just read this. Not until our time, the time of Christianity, could their salvation be completed totally, made perfect through the atoning and final work of Christ that Jesus accomplished on the cross. Were they saved? Yes, but saved in waiting for Christ to come and do the work that he was going to do. Their faith looked forward, our faith looked backward, and we meet together in the perfection that is in Christ and what he has done to establish the new covenant in Christ's perfect blood. And we all come together in Christ. And that's the three lists. Those who by faith experience the power of God and it's ours for the asking if we trust him in faith. Those who by faith endure pain and persecution and go through that in this life, maybe not out, but through, by faith that was accrued and built up through our faith in his power. And then by faith, they received a perfect promise, Old Testament, New Testament, together, uh, in the work of Christ. And so I want to ask three final questions this morning, and I got one minute to do it, or two or three, but three questions. Are you exercising faith? I know this is a tough question. I'm, I'm just, I, I acknowledge this is a tough question. It's so easy to live through the Christian life and just kind of endure, you know, just kind of, you know, well, I don't know if God can do this one. I'll just kind of endure it. You know, but are you exercising faith in power for God to conquer your Goliaths? Are you living on that edge, on that, on that exciting new frontier of faith where God becomes so real every time he comes through for you? D do it. Fill in the blank this morning. 
of what you know through the Word and through the Holy Spirit, God is willing to, to come through for you and begin to, to begin to say, Lord, I, I don't have much faith. It's, it's half a mustard seed. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust you. And you watch God work in your life. And then are you, are you exercising faith? Are you taking some ice baths right now? Are you taking an ice bath in God's word, prayer, fellowship, so that, so that you are going to endure when hard times may hit us like we've never seen before? Are you in that bath of ice so that, so that you get acclimated and ready to honor God? You know, oh, you know what? I shouldn't say this. You may say ouch instead of amen. But I don't want to be a Christian that only turns to God when there's a crisis. I don't want to be one of them. You know, all of a sudden they're hot for God because the world has become hostile. I don't want to be one or painful. I want to be ready at, the mo at moments notice. Amen? Yes, be ready at moments notice. Let's, let's, let's inc increase our faith and let us get ready for whatever's ahead of us by faith. And then finally, are you a new covenant Christian? Are you coming together with those Old Testament saints and New Testament saints and say, yes, I am a new covenant Christian. I, my sins are under the blood of Jesus and not under some uh, uh, um, uh, religious uh, system of works, me doing enough to get in the good favor of God and then entering into heaven because that's not going to happen because none of us have that kind of uh, ability to do it because God's holy and guess what? We're not but with the blood of Christ and the imputation, impartation, and dwelling of his Holy Spirit, we can become righteous before God with a true prayer of repentance and asking God forgiveness for our sins and believing in his son who was crucified for our sins, buried into the grave three days later, broke the powers of death, ascended to the right hand of the Father and offers us free salvation for eternity. And we ask him, Lord, give me faith to believe that. Lord, give me faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that doesn't come from ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. So we say, Lord, give me faith to believe. I don't have it. But if you do, he'll give it, and you'll be born again, and you can become a person of faith. Let's stand in prayer as we're dismissed this morning, shall we? Father God, it's, it's kind of like um, turning sharp corners this morning. We see all of these people that were threatened by their Goliaths, their Midianites, their Jericho walls, and they, they just trusted you, let you do the work. They let you break those things down through faith. They didn't do it, you did. But then we turn a corner into pain and persecution. And Lord God, if that's something that some of us or all of us uh, go through. We pray that we would be by faith uh, deep, growing uh, uh, people uh, in our faith in Christ and in your word and in prayer and fellowship. And then, Lord, if there's no, someone here that has not gotten on the list of a new covenant, blood-bought uh, child of God, that you would move in their hearts, bring them into the kingdom of God, and, uh, and, and use them for your glory in this, uh, in this world. Thank you, Lord, for uh, your healthy, sometimes hurting, 
but always a helpful word this morning. We love you. Bless now our fellowship as we uh, say amen. It's not the end of the service. It's just a time of loving, edifying, caring, unifying uh, words and greetings to people that are new or ministry to people that are hurting. Help us to have our antennas up so that we can tell who needs uh, our encouragement from your spirit this morning as we continue to worship you through mutual edification. We ask it in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. You are dismissed.